Hi, welcome to Aim at One Win. I'm Adrian, and today it's my pleasure to share some of my thoughts about life, which complement another post I made entitled Embrace Death. When I studied art, way back in the midst of time, Ways of Seeing by John Berger was a set work. He states that the process of seeing is less spontaneous and natural than we tend to believe. A large part of seeing depends on habit and convention. If that's the case, and I do agree with him, we need to set ourselves the work of seeing things differently so that we can have a better look, a better understanding of life. In the Embrace Death post I refer to, I started with death. Yes, we need to look at death, but also what it is about death that is avoided because of fear. We need to look at dismantling fears. Dismantling fears by not being fearful of the other, of something different. Because what we do on the whole is build our little castles, build our little boxes and protect them. It's fear driven. Protect these lives because they're under threat. From what? From life. <laughs> it's absurd. We hang on to stuff. We don't let go of stuff. We need to let go of many of our perceptions because it is those perceptions our constructs that bind us in a fearful way. If we can just undo those knots, then we can unravel the fear and, we, and much more. Here I will use an excerpt from a Buddhist teaching called the Lotus Dharma. Six knots are untied one after the other. When six are undone, one vanishes as well. Choose an organ that is all penetrating to enter the holy stream and attain Bodhi. When it's talking about when six are undone, one vanishes as well. That means all six sense organs, which come from our mind, you untie all and our mind is free. Hope that makes sense. Excuse the pun. So pick a sense. For me, I choose hearing. And there are hearing meditations you can do. I have short-circuited mind, but a starting point is to sit and imagine your ears growing or growing in their capability, expanding in their capability. Hear all sounds around you at once, but don't attach meaning to any sound. Don't think that's a bird, that's a bike, that's a car. Let them come, let them go. It's way harder than it sounds. Excuse the pun again. Then if you like, imagine you hearing not just the bird or the bike or the car, or the traffic on a nearby road, but traffic far away, around the world even, planes in the sky, ships as you expand your ears. And listen also to your breathing, and also to the ringing in your ears, which hopefully A, you hear, and hopefully B, is not tinnitus, but rather your guide shouting to be heard, trying to get through. And, and another, a very simple method to clear the mind is a candle meditation. Against a white or neutral background, stare into a candle that's at eye height, not too focused, kind of like a thousand yard stare or what we call a dwell where I come from, right into the middle of the candle flame, where the blue separates from the yellow, without holding any thought. Try that for two minutes. Sounds like a short time, but well, our minds. And here, I'll take another bit from the Lotus Dharma. Old habits flow like torrents. 
And so do thoughts and attachment to thought. So the thoughts can come, but just don't hold any thoughts. So if Buddhism or meditation is not something you prepared to use as a tool, some suggest psychedelics. And I'm not suggesting psychedelics, but it is a way of changing your perspective. It is a way of looking at things very differently. Zen Buddhism talks about satori, a kick in the eye, and psychedelics sure do provide a kick in the eye. A very dear friend of mine was well on his sad way to becoming his alcoholic father until he tried LSD, which for him saved him. He's a geek, so he prefers the term reboot. LSD rebooted his hard drive. Well-known author Graham Hancock speaks about how ayahuasca rebooted him and cured him of an addiction to marijuana. And you might say, well, that's one drug, another drug. One's recreational, and as he puts it in his TED Talks, ayahuasca can not be called a recreational drug. It's, it's too much of a hard reboot. Something that had a profound effect on me was when some being took over a trance medium and observed those in the room for many minutes. The atmosphere was indescribable. It was an examination. It was also a, a suspended reality, not least because in that time the medium didn't breathe, which was impossibly long for her to still be alive and well, which she was. Then there are the airports I've received. Little bits of turquoise, stone arrowheads, a piece of rock from the Pleiades. These things materialized between my hands and the medium's hands while a guide was in control of her body. So I guess but you can say between my hands and the, and the guide's hands. These and many other things have taken my experience or my experiences beyond the physical realm, disproving for me, transcending, if you like, what we are taught at school or by science. Another thing that we need to look at and get over is time, the way we look at time. It's a biggie. The idea of time as something linear is false, meaning that the linear nature of our lives is also false. It's a tool that's become a crutch. It enables us to more easily make sense of what is in any case an illusory world. Why is linear time false? It only exists here. It doesn't exist in spirit. Mankind has tied it to the manifest world, which as I said is full of illusion. And please bear in mind that there is more unseen and undiscovered than there is that is material that we can literally grasp. All our crutches are an impediment to seeing differently and beyond our noses. What makes people afraid is the constructs, the matrix being bound by them. Being bound by these brings about a fear of being different and outside the norm and the consequences of being outside the norm. If you look at great leaders that have been outside the norm, and I suspect that all great leaders have been outside the norm in one way or the other, setting wonderful examples to others, what is there to be afraid of then? Except that many great leaders were shunned, stoned, crucified even. So there's something to be afraid of. I also want to talk about being afraid of evil, of good and evil. And it's something I certainly talk about in another post about ghostbusting. 
They are just two forces, love and fear. Which one are you working with? It's a huge challenge, it seems, for people to get their heads around the fact that their lives may be fear-driven. They're too afraid to even look at that, to challenge that notion. To illustrate that, I want to balance the lilies in the field with the widely used or accepted Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you know anything about psychology or sociology, it's something you've probably come across. According to Abraham Maslow, we have five categories of needs, and it's a pyramid. From the bottom of the hierarchy upwards, the needs are physiological, safety, love and belonging, esteem, and self-actualization at the top. Now, the needs lower down in the hierarchy must be satisfied before individuals can attend to needs higher up, or before higher aspects can begin to emerge. Now, that goes directly against what Luke chapter 12, verses 27 to 40 states. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants, whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. What spiritual teachings say is forsake the hierarchy of needs, let go and let God. Set your eyes on God as the prize and you will be rewarded. Our conditioned ways of seeing, the ones that bind us and that cause us to have fixed and incorrect perceptions, fly in the face of the one constant, and that constant is change. They are out of sync with that reality, the reality of change. And change does not have to be something to be afraid of. It can and should be embraced. Once you embrace change, it opens you up. It's freeing in a, in a sense. It opens you up to understand more. Because letting go doesn't mean disregarding, forgetting, or dissing. It just means looking at and becoming part of an ever bigger picture. And so 
expanding, not shrinking, which is what fear-based thinking leads to. Fear-based thinking stops any flow. It leads to stagnation, truncated and dammed up lives. Damned minds equate to mental problems and disease. Water flows. We are water-based and we are on a water-based planet. And it's not just in a physical sense that water flows. Water is our everything. And water flows in ways we cannot control. Dams tend to burst. And that, when it's within ourselves, is akin either to an awakening or a death or devastating destruction of the dam wall that we have constructed. Fear makes us unwell and out of sync with the flow. Fear divides us. Borders do that too. Nations are divided up, divided against each other. Nationalities cause rifts when the world is a global village. Control, the need for control, the sheep mentality, which is the need to be controlled. How do you think Hitler came to power? And if you believe in a war between good and evil, you will see that the world has never been so ready for an antichrist. That global village I talked about causes fear. Because disregarding borders threatens powers that be. Look at the migrant movements from Africa into Europe and across the world, which exemplifies a change in perceptions. And the internet, similarly. Things that were fixed only a few decades ago are no longer fixed. Like it or not, constructs are being dismantled. That, however, does increase the resistance to change from those who created or perpetuate or enforce the constructs that bind societies, because an awakening will disempower them. Hanging on to the perceptions of previous generations is the equivalent to being a flat earther once Columbus had not sailed over the edge of the world. Old ways, old fear-based rules are redundant. Don't shout after your running children that they'll hurt themselves. I see parents doing that. Rather, caution, care, but urge them to explore. It's foolish in any case to instruct children with fear, because they will explore regardless. Unless they are so embedded with fear, because fear is taught. It's learned. Which brings me to being childlike and how good and natural that is. Luke again, in chapter 18, says, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, shall in no wise enter therein. So, be childlike, be open. It will help if we start to lose some of our constructs. It's nothing new. We need to go with the river. The universe flows. It's not stagnant. It's moving. It's motion. It's not being set. Being set in your ways is contrary to the nature of life. If you look at the natural world, the universe, everything is decaying and growing. Humans stagnate when they go against the flow, when they've lost the plot. Earlier, I mentioned balancing the lilies in the field with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That might seem extreme, like you have to become a nun or a monk. Okay, so as a starting point, perhaps, without necessarily chucking up your entire life to become as a lily, 
there's a question of balance. You are part of the manifest world after all. We just need to see beyond that. We need to see the divinity, that we are part of the same, that we are all slivers of God. Coming back to balance, being a crystal swinger, namaste all day long with tinkly fairy music, that's not balanced either. It's another distortion, almost equally to the, the box or the little castles, the picket fence I've talked about before. It's just another unrealistic view. Similarly, meditating on a hilltop and looking at life from a distance is also not balanced. It's all very well. You might learn something, but meditate in a train station and you're really getting somewhere. Balance is synonymous with equanimity, not drama. Being dramatic suggests a knee-jerk reaction. We need to respond. We need to look. We need to have perspective. Reacting is often based on fears. When preconceptions and judgments are challenged, we tend to react fearfully. Reacting joyfully is a very different matter. That is experiencing love and going with the flow. So sometimes the balance might seem a dichotomy, but you have to filter your responses to the fear-based construct that is the world, so as not to filter your joy. Joy is spontaneous. It might seem extreme, but it's natural. Joy is often something we witness, something beyond ourselves, such as sunrise or sunset, some beauty, music, whatever floats your boat. Coming back to drama versus equanimity, do you opt for the river or the whirlpool? How much are you strapping to your back? And what motivates you? What pricks you into action? Is it Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Reflect, pause, look within, don't cast about and don't project. Being introspective can release a lot of emotions. Don't avoid that. Pain and suffering are spirit's gift to humanity. It's how we grow when we endure suffering well. There's a reason why many of the most popular songs are not necessarily the happy songs, are they? They're full of the ups and downs, the heart-wrenching tragedies sometimes. And it's interesting that those move us in a positive way. Take the blues, the sad things. They talk, people sing the blues. You get through the blues. There's no way around the blues. So popular songs like that are about life struggles and rising above them, I guess. Or just looking them and voicing them and getting them off our chests. Because a problem shared is a problem half solved. And it's also a way of connecting with others and crossing borders and barriers, even if they're only internal. Or maybe I should say, especially if they're internal. Don't forget, we are souls. We're not humans. We are just souls on a human journey. That is a gift from God. The other gift that has proved to be problematic is the free will that God gave us. Also don't forget, we don't belong to the earth. We are on and of the earth while we are here. But what happens when we are not here? When we don't see through a glass darkly. When we are in spirit, which we are when we sleep. When we sleep, we go into spirit. When we're in the bardo, which is the in-between state, between lives, before we come back. Or, as I said, when we are asleep. 
I'll certainly talk about that in other posts for sure. If you find value in what I'm sharing, please subscribe to my podcast. And please remember that, as I said earlier, you're a sliver of divinity. Keep your sliver shining, reflecting back to God and to all life, and let no one dull your shine. You can get in touch with me regarding mental healing and clearing of negativity, something I talk about a lot in my posts. And my email is adrian at onement at gmail.com or adrianatonement at gmail.com.